Hello and welcome to the Simplified Organization Show, where real moms chat about home and life management. We want to avoid perfectionism, reject overwhelm, and handle housework and all those plates in a way that builds relationships because our home is a tool and not a showpiece. I'm your host, Misty Winkler. I write and podcast at simplyconvivial.com about homemaking, homeschooling, and doing life cheerfully. I'm also the author of The Convivial Homeschool, Gospel Encouragement for Keeping Your Sanity While Living and Learning Alongside Your Kids. And today I'm joined by my friend, Lena Sutherland. Lena is a homeschool mom of eight and the host of the Sibling Relationship Lab podcast. She loves to encourage moms in the freedom that they have in Christ and in parenting and homeschooling. Today, she shares some organization tips that she's learned to survive as a mom with a large family. And no matter what the size of your family, I think that you will find her insights and ideas helpful. So let's dig into part two of this conversation with Lena Sutherland. So do you have any tips or suggestions for organizing in a way that balances that, you know, relationship versus task and still trying for the growth, but without getting, you know, completely irritated with everyone when they don't follow the system? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So, you know, as you might guess from kind of how we've talked so far about the feeling of overwhelm, I think a lot of the things that I found most helpful aren't necessarily like oh, here's the perfect way to store, you know, sippy cups in your van or something. It's more um, kind of a mindset that we bring to the projects that we're working on. So, um, you know, of course, everybody's budget is different and everybody's resources for home improvements and that kind of thing is different. But for us, I've definitely found that the best way to organize anything is something that I'm not going to be heartbroken about redoing in a few months. Um, So like, we installed some shelves in our pantry. It was kind of like a coat closet in the foyer, but we decided to convert it to a pantry. And I decided to get those shelves that are adjustable. So you can move Mm -hmm. them up and down. Cause I thought, you know, we're, there's just no way that I can predict now, like what size, what height of shelves do I need for the next 20 years (laughs) or whatever? (laughs) Like, you know, I, I need to do something where I can change it around. So, and, you know, and things are always changing, right? So like, Um, You didn't have a cat. Now you have a cat. Now you need a place to put a big container of, you know, cat litter or cat food, or um, the family used to be super into this product. We're not anymore. So we don't need, you know, shelf space for that or whatever. And, um, you know, it also allows for just changes in how you make use of the space. So we've used that closet as more of a pantry closet, like cans and boxes of things. We've also, you know, switched those to being in the kitchen and use that closet for more like, um, you know, like your, your baking bakeware and that kind of thing that we don't use as often. So anyway, mentally it's helpful to me to know, because like I said before, like decision fatigue is a big thing for me. And so if I felt like, well, I've got to figure out what are the ideal shelf placements, because we're going to nail this to the wall and I can't change it. You know, it's going to take a lot of labor to change it. That would add more overwhelm and stress. Whereas if I can say like, all I've got to do is hang these rails, put the shelves approximately where I think they need to go and I can move them later. Um, same thing is true in kids' closets, right? Because you have little kids, and so you can hang one rack above the other. You can hang the little girls' dresses on the top rack, and before you know it, like now their dress takes up the whole length of the. You know, they can't. We can't do one bar above another, or 
whereas you used to be able to fit like all of your children's, you know, clothing in one drawer. Now they need, you know, several drawers, one for socks and one for pants and one for shirt, you know, so just it's, it's been helpful to me to remember that, okay, this is going to be constantly changing and evolving. I, I used to love surfing online and, and all of these like built-ins, like, oh, we can build in bunk beds in this room, or we can build a loft or we can, um, and those are fabulous. And I, you know, like no shade on anybody who's made that work, but for us, I just realized like we move things around way too much. We have to keep adjusting, like, oh, we used to have a crib in here. We don't have a crib in here anymore. Or, you know, mm-hmm. things change. Same with your homeschool schedule, especially I feel like the younger the children, the more quickly the systems will need to change. So like if you have a baby or a toddler in your house, shelf life of a good system, a good homeschool schedule, a good chore routine, a good whatever, is probably about three months. And if you're yeah. finding yourself needing to reevaluate in three months, it's not because you did it wrong. It's because your family is growing and changing. Systems mm-hmm. are different. Somebody who needed used to have diaper changes now uses the potty. You know, now we have to now we have to stop what we're doing every ninety minutes to make sure this person is potty. Or you know, there's just always change and growth happening in your family. So picking things that are that are easily adjustable or that you could move or use differently or whatever um, has been helpful for me because that way it just reduces my need to like, I've got to predict how we're going to use this for the next two decades and do it just right Right. at this moment and set it all up for that. Um, Lots and lots of those metal shelves, you know, it's like four metal rods and then like the wire shelves that you can easily adjust and you can move them to different rooms and you can use them for kitchen stuff or toys or whatever, you know, easily repurposable for different things. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think if there's any other particular examples of that type of thing. Another thing I think is is helpful with the overwhelm is reducing the amount of decision making you do in terms of so we get a lot of hand me downs which is fabulous you have a big family you can use them for multiple kids but it's overwhelming right you get these mm-hmm. three giant bags of clothes what do I do with all of this and so one thing that's been helpful to me over time is just deciding that I'm not going to keep certain categories of things so like I don't keep snow pants we live in Virginia we get maybe two good snows of a couple of inches a year. If it's enough to make a snowman and sled, that's fabulous. We're not a skiing family. Like there's really no need for me to keep snow pants in every size. (laughs) Um, Boots. We keep like rubber boots that you would think of as rain boots. That's what they wear outside when it's going to snow. We just Mm -hmm. like, we don't have the weather for everybody to need their own boots sturdy enough to go like, you know, trudging through Canada or something. (laughs) So, you know, I just, there are a lot of things where I say no. And when I'm sorting clothes, I have some guidelines in my head. Like I keep, um, I don't keep boys short sleeve button down dress shirts. It's just one more category. Usually in the summer, they're wearing polos. We don't need polos and button down dress shirts. I don't keep vests. I don't keep, like if I have a choice of two different jackets, I keep the one with the hood, not the one without the hood. I don't keep, you know, I tend towards clothes that are darker in pattern rather than clothes that are white or light color. Just little things like that, that make decisions easier so that I'm not having to weigh every time, everything that I'm looking at, you know, and obviously what each family needs and what they want to keep is different, but those are some things that have just kind of reduced the amount of individual decision-making of everything that I'm taking into the house and processing. And I think another thing that's important too, is when you're, you know, handing out chores or setting up, who's going to take care of what that we, you have to kind of evaluate because I think we, again, our expectations, right, can really be the the uh, the killer of the whole project if we're not clear on what we're expecting. So, 
I think we often, we think about chore time and without realizing it, we have many uh, parallel and sometimes competing goals that we want to accomplish at the same time. So chore time, part of what needs to happen is like there's stuff that needs to be taken care of. Things need to be cleaned up and, and organized and managed. We're also thinking like, okay, this is good character building. Our children need to learn responsibility and management, you know, and participation in the household and community. And then we're also thinking like, well, we want to train them. Like they should know how to do their own laundry. They should know how to clean a toilet. And we want them to know, you know. And so we we bring all of this into chore time. And, and most of it can't coexist easily without, without some real effort. So like if your goal is many hands make light work, so we're going to get this all done together. And also... I'm going to make sure that my child knows how to clean a toilet really well. Those two can work against each other, right? It's going to go slower if you're determined to teach your six-year-old how to clean the toilet really well. So sometimes we have to evaluate like, okay, is this one of those cleanups that's going to be a learning experience and a training opportunity? Or is this one of those, like we have company in an hour, I'm going to clean the toilet myself because I know that they're not going to do it the way I want. I'm going to do it myself. They can go like fold socks or something because you know, this is not a, this is not a good opportunity for training. And our goals right now are just to get things done quickly. And so, you know, I was talking to a mom the other day who was kind of wrestling over some of that and saying like, I really need their help, but also this should be a character opportunity, but also, you know, I'm not sure if they know how to do this properly. And it's like, okay, well, sometimes you have to separate these things out. Is this Mm -hmm. a time when we have time for training? Is this a time where we're just like, let's all chip in and get it done. Um, And sometimes even just the process of sitting down and considering like, oh yeah, I'm expecting a lot of things to happen in this hour that I call chore time or cleanup time or, you know, whatever your chore time Mm -hmm. during your day is called. We don't even realize that like we might've set up expectations for ourselves that are sometimes mutually exclusive of what we think is going to happen during that window. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of perfectionism and overwhelm all coming in and making, you know, almost any of those goals impossible. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Lena. This was such a helpful conversation and I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and you want to tell people where to find you online because you have a great podcast of your own. So would you tell people about that? Sure. Yes. So Sibling Relationship Lab, which you can find on any of your favorite podcast platforms or siblingrelationshiplab.com where you can find the podcast and then also articles. And we also have a community connected to the site where moms can gather to talk about these various issues. We're pretty heavily focused in this community on relationship and that sort of thing. But, you know, that kind of spills over into all of parenting. So we're always touching on various topics. And I believe we are going to be discussing your new book in our community in the new year, January or February. I think Lainey Homan, our, our community manager is um, excited about that and has been talking about it in our community. So we look forward to going through that. Nice. Well, I know when people start asking parenting things or, you know, sibling interaction things, it's like, uh, I'm just go look, look up Lena. (laughs) (laughs) So check out Sibling Relationship Lab, and we'll talk another time, I'm sure, Lena. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Misty. You can find the link in the description below for Lena's resources for sibling relationships, parenting, and also large family homeschooling. 
Lynn is a great source of advice and insight, and I highly recommend her resources. Check out her podcast, Sibling Relationship Lab, and remember to repent, rejoice, repeat.